politics and above religion, a moral authority exists known globally as the ageless wisdom. It is the study of consciousness, the mystery of awareness, which cannot be measured, yet will not be denied. Stay tuned as we explore consciousness, the fundamental nature of reality. Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 FM KPFK for all of Southern California, streaming for the world at kpfk.org. The Mystery School is a program about consciousness, a program about expanded awareness, a program about creating peace, the absence of conflict in your own life, that we might then have greater influence in the world in creating a peaceful planet and social justice. Occasionally, I get feedback from people about this program who don't really understand the role of a program about consciousness on a radio station that is so socially and politically progressive. And our show today, in memory of Thich Nhat Hanh, will, I think, demonstrate the bridge between social activism, peace, peace in the world, and inner peace, which is necessary to happiness. There can be no personal happiness if you're filled with conflict and suffering. And that which we generally think of as spiritual living a virtuous life, and deeply caring about other people. And once our basic survival needs are met, what purpose is there in living other than helping other people, being of service to other people? To help others reconcile their suffering brings great personal rewards. So it's a, it's a great win-win all the way around. So whether social, political, global, or the tension in your own breathing. Mindfulness teachings have a great deal to offer us. Often called the father of mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh had a long-standing and special relationship with the United States. And so it's fitting that a representative of the U.S. Embassy was at his funeral four days ago. I'd like to play a brief soundbite of that. And I also have other audio clips of Thich Nhat Hanh himself. You know, he suffered a stroke eight years ago and has been unable to speak ever since. But, of course, we have recordings that are older than that. And I'm going to play a few for you today. Teachings on mindfulness. And what does that mean? Although people may not (laughs) make this comparison very often. I think the antithesis of mindfulness is mindlessness. And we may see that in others, even if we don't recognize it in ourselves from time to time. Maybe we're occasionally mindless, maybe we're often mindless, but there's always room for improvement. And we'll talk today about the personal and global benefits of a mindfulness practice, not only mindfulness meditation, but as you open your eyes and move out into the world, mindful living. And what does that really mean? Well, it means peace, as I said before, and 
more than the absence of war or violent crime, peace is an internal condition necessary to happiness. You know the street chant, no justice, no peace? Well, without deep inner peace, there is no happiness. And think of the scope of problems that would reconcile themselves if people were happy and accepting and just in their orientation. Much of what people call spirituality, it seems to me, is simply acting in accord with one's conscience. So, we'll talk about mindfulness today. We'll hear a lesson from Thich Nhat Hanh in the benefits of being present in the moment, and also how to begin a mindfulness practice by watching your breathing, which of course brings you into the present moment like nothing else. Also touching on the dangers of dwelling on the past and the future, though we need to go there from time to time. We need to learn from the past and plan the future, but too often we live there, and that's where all the anxiety lives. In the present moment, you focus on your breath and bring yourself into the here and now, I think you'll find it's generally a pretty stress-free place. And if not, we're also going to hear a little audio clip about what to do with the suffering and the discomfort and the despair that you may be feeling in the present moment. That's still the best place to heal it, uh, to refine it, to transmute it into understanding which relieves us from the suffering. Let's begin with a uh, short, uh, this is about seven-minute audio clip of Tom Lyons, a representative of the United States Embassy in Vietnam, four days ago at uh, the funeral of Thich Nhat Hanh in central Vietnam. Good evening, and thank you for inviting me here uh, especially to uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's root temple to allow me the honor and the privilege of sharing in this memorial service for the venerable Thich Nhat Hanh. On behalf of the United States mission in Vietnam and the American people, I would like to offer my sincere condolences to the Plum Village communities and the Tu Hu Temple, all the disciples and all the followers of Master Thich Nhat Hanh on the event of his passing. This is truly a sad occasion, but I am humbled by the opportunity to come and pay my respects on behalf of my government and my fellow citizens. Tay's passing will be mourned throughout the world, but his passing will be felt especially in the United States, where throughout his life, Tay had a great impact, touching lives with his teachings and forging close ties with political and religious leaders for more than 60 years. Thich Nhat Hanh met with many U.S. officials during his lifetime, including our former ambassador to Vietnam and the current Assistant Secretary for East Asia and the Pacific, Daniel Crittenbrink, Senator Patrick Leahy, former Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara, and others. In all these interactions, Tay was a fearless advocate for peace and compassionate social action. He leaves behind in the United States a strong, and respected legacy of nonviolent activism and spiritual engagement, including three US-based monasteries in the Plum Village tradition located in New York, California, and Mississippi. 
Hay's message of peace also played an instrumental role in bringing about the personal healing for thousands of veterans of the violent war between America and Vietnam who suffered mental trauma and in bringing reconciliation between our two nations, a reconciliation that in 2020 marked the milestone of 25 years of formal diplomatic ties. Finally, Tay was also one of the first people to bring to America the gift of Zen practices of mindfulness, which have since become ubiquitous in the fields of healthcare, psychology, and education, and in the daily lives of thousands of Americans. Thich Nhat Hein will be most remembered for his tireless championing of religious freedom, human rights, nonviolence, and his message of mindfulness in daily life. Although Tay's influence spread well beyond the realm of religion, he leaves a legacy as one of the most influential religious leaders in recent history. He is probably best remembered as a leading light in interfaith and interreligious dialogue. In his book, Living Buddha, Living Christ, Tay wrote that Christians and Buddhists who are both living deeply in their contemplative lives do not think those in other traditions are going the wrong way. Religious experience is a human experience. It has to do with human consciousness, individual and collective. Through his extensive dialogue and relationships, people from all religions have learned much from one another. Thich Nhat Hain's compassion for interreligious harmony was probably most visible in his relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King. At their first meeting in 1966, Tay recognized the Buddha nature in the Baptist minister and told King he was a bodhisattva. In nominating Thich Nhat Hain for the Nobel Prize, Dr. King reciprocated the honor, calling Tay an apostle of peace and nonviolence. As I, as a Christian, reflect on the totality of Master uh, Thich's life and influence, another title I believe describes Tay is prophet. The term prophet in the biblical sense is not, as is commonly misunderstood, one who predicts the future, but rather one who communicates with the divine and then proclaims that message to other people. Prophets speak with authority and they proclaim the truth. But oftentimes, the truth they bear, while necessary, is uncomfortable. And though Tay spoke the truth and spoke it with utmost compassion, his words, like those of his brother, Martin Luther King, were not always received in the compassionate spirit in which they were offered. Thich Nhat Hain thought deeply, pondering the eternal questions of life, existence, and meaning. He caused us to ponder them too. He invited us to consider the ways of others. Following in the footsteps of Jesus and Martin Luther King, Tay said, to love our enemies we must practice deep looking to understand them. If we do, we accept them and we love them. At the moment we accept and love them, they cease to be our enemies. Our world today is filled with animosity, distrust, anger, and vitriol. This acrimony exists between people of differing religions, between people of no religion and people of faith, between people with different political beliefs, between nationalities, and even people with different opinions about current events. But prophets like Thich Nhat Hain tell us, 
all of us, people, institutions, and governments, to love one another, to have compassion for our enemies, to seek to understand them, and ultimately to love them. And that's very hard for us to hear. It's even harder for us to do. Rather than understand our enemy, we much prefer to fear them. Thich Nhat Hain's prophetic voice calls us to compassion, to tolerance, and to understanding the acceptance of those with whom we disagree. In a talk about life after death, Tay once noted that our lives are like candles. Even as the candle grows shorter, we emanate light, heat, and energy. That light, heat, and energy go out into the world, touching the lives of others, providing warmth and light to read by. He said that even after our physical bodies are no longer here, our true self has been offered to the world, and that is our continuation. That energy then returns to us, sometimes immediately and sometimes well after we're gone. It is not only my wish and my prayer, but my firm belief that Tay's message of compassion, nonviolence, religious freedom, human rights, and the ability to live and love in peace with our neighbors will continue to emanate throughout the world and will return to us and to onward future generations. And after this short break, we'll return with a brief segment from an interview during which Tay describes how he met Dr. Martin Luther King. Stay with us. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. You're listening to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK. Heard every Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock here on 90.7 FM for all of Southern California and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. We're talking about mindfulness today, particularly as a tribute to the passing 10 days ago of the most venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk, who without question is more responsible than any other individual for introducing mindfulness teachings to the West in such a way that maybe the timing was just right, maybe the need was finally at a peak, but for whatever reason, most of what we know in the West about the practice of mindfulness was introduced to us by Thich Nhat Hanh. This man wrote over 100 books just in English, another 30 or more books in other languages, and all of those books have been translated countless times to many languages, such that Thich Nhat Hanh sold in his lifetime over 5 million books and surely millions more will be sold in the future. If you're old enough, it's likely that you knew of Thich Nhat Hanh before you ever read any of his books about mindfulness, for he was a peace activist. If you go back to the 1960s, when Buddhist monks on more than one occasion were immolating themselves, burning themselves, 
sitting in the lotus position in front of an American embassy in Saigon and setting themselves on fire. And it was a dramatic appeal to stop the war, and in particular America's involvement in what had been a civil conflict in Vietnam. Thich Nhat Hanh's relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King is significant in terms of King broadening his appeal to include opposition to the war in Vietnam as part of his civil rights efforts and his appeals for peace and dignity and respect by everyone, for everyone, a concept which spiritual and religious people usually call love. So I'm going to play a short excerpt here from an interview that Tay did with Oprah Winfrey, in which he describes writing to Dr. King, a year later meeting Dr. King, and speaking with him about the importance of promoting peace through community organizing and contact with what in Buddhism is known as the Sangha, the community. This is Thich Nhat Hanh. In uh, June the 1st, uh, 65, I wrote him a letter explaining to him uh, why the monks in Vietnam Ill- immolated themselves by fire. Uh, I said that it's not a suicide because in a difficult situation like Vietnam, to make your voice heard is difficult. So sometimes we have to burn ourselves alive in order for our voice to be to be heard around. So that is out of uh, compassion that you do that. That's the act of love and not of despair. Exactly one year after June the 1st, uh, 66, I met him in uh, Chicago. And we had that discussion about um, peace, freedom, and uh, community. And uh, we agreed with that without a community, we cannot go very far. And after that, there was a press conference, and he came out very strongly against the war in Vietnam. And uh, after that, uh, we continue our work. And uh, the last time I met him was in uh, Geneva during a peace conference called Passem in Terrace. And uh, during the conversation, I was able to tell him that the people in Vietnam call him a bodhisattva, enlightened being, because of what he was doing for his uh, people, his uh, country, uh, for the world, always with compassion and non-violence. And uh, when I heard of his uh, assassination, I could not believe it. Thought that uh, the American people have produced king, but uh, are not capable of preserving him. I was a little bit angry at that time. I did not eat. I did not sleep. But my determination to continue the work building the beloved community continues always. Always. Yes. The late Take Nhat Han speaking about his relationship with Dr. Martin Luther King beginning in the mid-1960s. Dr. King nominated Tay for the Nobel Peace Prize. 
as a result of the work they did together on opposing the war in Vietnam and war in general as an injustice, as a denial of human rights, a denial so obscene, so gross, that we don't even think of it as a human right to be free from war and conquering and invasion, usually for economic reasons. It's not uncommon for us as humans to oppose what we wish to avoid before we are able to reorient ourselves and move toward what we desire or aspire to. And so many of us discover our opposition to war before we realize that peace is more than the absence of war and criminal violence and external conflicts. It's an inner state of heart, mind, and body. A quiet mind, a calm heart, and a still body. As we said earlier, there is no happiness without peace, no personal happiness if we're filled with conflict and unfamiliar with our suffering. And that's really what emotional pain, heartache, grief, and loss, anything that hurts or irritates or frustrates or humiliates us is born of fear and anxiety. In other words, emotions that hurt are always about something we don't understand, ultimately about ourselves. There is situational awareness involved in not understanding the world that can anger us. But questions of awareness and understanding always come back to self-understanding, for it is up to each one of us to develop our self-awareness, to be awake, to be lucid, and that requires us to be calm and peaceful. Mindfulness is often defined as being in the present moment without judgment. It's a matter of being the observer rather than the thinker. And it begins with observing breath. Nothing brings you into the present moment like watching your breathing and not judging it, just simply being aware of it, not thinking about it, just being aware. We don't need to think to be aware. Thinking is not necessary to being awake and alert and aware. And that may be hard for a lot of us to understand, especially if we're not meditating, if we're not students of the mind and the games that it plays, the patterns that you can see in yourself when you observe your mental nature, and then your emotions and, of course, your behavior and your perception of the world. In all of these areas, we can choose to remain unaware, semi-aware, sleepwalking as if in a dream, or develop wakefulness through inner peace. To be alert, to be lucid, to be clear, to expand our ability to understand, as if from an elevated perspective. 
And so here's a few minutes of a lesson given by Tay at a summer retreat at Plum Village in France. The very first few minutes of his retreat on mindfulness. This is Thich Nhat Hanh. I have arrived. I am home. It's very simple, but that is the uh, purpose. And what in such a way that you arrive and you feel at home with every step. You, um, you do not walk like a sleepwalker anymore. You are walking as a free person. You are walking like a Buddha. To be a Buddha and walking on earth is possible. A Buddha is someone who is awake, who can be in the here and the now, who can enjoy the present moment. You can be a Buddha walking on this beautiful planet. It's very important that you feel at home in the here and the now. Only when you feel at home in the here and the now that you that you have you really have peace. Without peace, there is no happiness and joy. Peace is the absence of conflict. When you deny the here and the now, you, when you are not uh, satisfied with yourself, what is there, when you are searching for something else, you are not at peace with yourself. When you breathe in, and bring your mind home to your body. You make peace between mind and body. Very often in your daily life, you left your body alone. When you spend what, two hours with your computer, you forget completely that you have a body. And in that moment, body and mind are not together. You are not truly alive. When body and mind are away from each other. So, breathe in mindfully. You ride on your in-breath and go home to yourself. You bring your mind home to your body. And suddenly, you are fully present in the here and the now. It takes only two seconds, three seconds to breathe in, to bring mind home to your body. And there, mind and body together, you are established in the here and the now, and you get in touch with the wonders of life, the kingdom of God. That's simple enough, clear enough. So every breath you take, every step you make, should be able to bring you home to the here and the now. That is the basic practice. Uh, and you don't have to struggle to force yourself to do that. Because the breathing in like that can be very pleasant. And making a step like that can be very pleasant also. There is no violence, there is no forcing, just awakening. You wake up from a long dream, from a long sleep. 
you wake up to the fact that light is available in the here and now, that you are alive, that there are wonders of life in you and around you, and you can enjoy being alive right here and right now. And you have enough, more than enough conditions in order to, to be happy. So that is insight, that is uh, mindfulness and concentration that make uh, the value of your breath and your step. A breath made like that, a step made like that can bring you a lot of freedom and happiness. I have arrived, I am home. You, are, you feel comfortable in your home, your true home. Your true home is not in Germany, or in Holland, or in Singapore. Your true home is in the here and now, where you can touch the wonders of life. Your ancestors are available in the here and the now. I have arrived, I am home, in the here and the now. The here and the now is where I arrive, is my home. I am solid, I am free. This is not wishful thinking. Solidity is what you cultivate by walking. Every step helps you to cultivate more solidity. To be solid means to be Establish truly in the here and the now. The past cannot pull you away. The future cannot pull you away. You are well established in the here and the now. You are solidly established in the here and the now. And with one step, breathing in, you can cultivate that solidity. And you are free. I am solid. I am free. You are free because the past and the future and your projects your sorrow cannot pull you away anymore. So while walking, you cultivate more solidity and freedom that have the power to heal you and to, to, to bring you happiness. So that song everyone uh, uh, may like to memorize in order to to practice uh, walking or breathing. I have arrived. I am home in the here, in the now. I am solid. I am free. In the ultimate, I dwell. In the ultimate means that uh, you see that uh, This uh, physical body of yours is not the only body you have. You have a cosmic body. And you have to recognize your cosmic body. If you look into your physical body, you see your cosmic body. The air, the water, the heat, the soil, and you are made of uh, stars.
we know very well that without uh, the sunshine, there would be no life on earth. So you are made of sunshine. <coughs> and the sun is a star. Is one of the big guest stars in the whole galaxy. And that star is very close. And uh, because the sun is there, life on earth is possible. So you are a son of the, the sun. You are a daughter of the sun. You can call uh, that star Father Sun. And you are, you are a daughter of Mother Earth, a son of Mother Earth. You are made of stars. And you have, if you look deeply, you know that this physical body is not the only body you have. You still have a cosmic body. Suppose you contemplate a wave that is born on the ocean. That wave has come from the ocean and she will go home to the ocean in order to be reborn again as another wave. So the wave has a wave body, her wave body, and also her ocean body. And the moment when the wave realizes that she has her ocean body, she will lose all her fear, fear of birth and of death. Look at the look at the clouds in the sky. They also come from the ocean, and if they meditate well enough, they see that. Uh, Although they have a cloud body, but they have also an ocean body. And it's very important for the cloud to realize that he has an ocean body. So when he is no longer a cloud, he still has his uh, ocean body. So ultimate, the ultimate is, uh, is that. In the, God is the ultimate. Nirvana is the ultimate. Nirvana is uh, the true nature of reality, the nature of no birth and no death, no coming and going. God is the ultimate. God is Nirvana. So you have a Nirvana body, you have a God body, you have a cosmic body. And if you walk, Deeply in mindfulness, you can touch our cosmic body. You can touch the ultimate, and we touch our nature of no birth and no death. So walking meditation can bring very deep insight and dissipate all kind of fear. It's a simple practice. And practicing walking, not only you can get in touch with the wonders of life that can be nourishing and healing, but you can touch also the ultimate 
in order to be liberated from all fear and anxiety. And we'll have more on mindfulness and the life of Thich Nhat Hanh right after this short break. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on KPFK in Los Angeles. This is the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School on 90.7 FM, KPFK in Los Angeles, serving all of Southern California and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Well, in that last segment, Thich Nhat Hanh talks about mindfulness as being in the present moment, and what better way to drag yourself out of the resentments of the past and the fears of the future than to come home to the breath. The present moment is your body breathing itself all by itself, which allows you to watch and observe without being the breather, much less the thinker. You simply are the observer. And if and when you find yourself distracted, you become aware of the fact that you've been distracted. This is generally not considered to be a concentration exercise where you would admonish yourself if you find your your mind straying or wandering off. You simply make note of the fact that it has wandered Ask yourself if there's anything of value in it. Make note of the fact that you've been distracted, perhaps by a thought, perhaps by a feeling in your body, perhaps by an external noise, a dog barking down the street. And then you let it go and put your attention back on your breathing. So let's listen to an excerpt from a different class where Tay talks about practicing mindfulness in meditation, a mindfulness meditation. Here's a little bit about how to watch your breath. The purpose of the retreat is uh, to learn how to release the tension in our body, in our feelings, in our emotions to allow our body and uh, mind to have uh, a chance to restore themselves, to facilitate uh, the process of healing. Also to learn to look deeply at uh, our own uh, suffering and the suffering of the world so that we may identify the roots of that suffering and uh, understanding suffering is very important because it will bring uh, understanding of suffering will bring, bring uh, compassion acceptance and reconciliation with uh, more uh, freshness more peace more solidity and freedom within we will be able to help um, transform our family, uh, restore communication, uh, dialogue, and peace and love in the family, which is very important for building our community, 
actually begin with ourselves, and then uh, we can help our family, and finally we can help uh, build a community that uh, would be a better uh, environment for us and for our children. And uh, we hope that uh, during this retreat, we shall uh, practice in order to master these uh, practices and so that we can continue the practice when we go home to our hometown. I would like to speak uh, first about how to um, release the tension in the body. Uh, every time we uh, bring attention to our breathing and breathe in and out, well, we practice uh, mindful breathing. In our daily life, we breathe, but we are not aware that we are breathing in and out. So uh, the practice uh, is to bring our attention to our in-breath. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Uh, breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. Uh, the practice is very simple, but the effect can be very great. In our daily life, uh, very often our body is there, but our mind is elsewhere. It may wander in the past, uh, wander in the future, uh, caught in our uh, projects, our, our, our jealousy, our uh, anger, and our mind is very seldom with our body. So paying attention to your in-breath and out-breath, you bring your mind back to your body. And suddenly you are there, uh, fully present in the here and the now. Just uh, bring our mind back to our breathing. In the beginning, we may notice that our breathing is uh, poor in quality. It's short, uh, not having enough uh, um, calm, because uh, the breath is, um, is the outcome of our body and feelings. If our body has a lot of tension, a lot of pain, our feelings are painful and then our breath will be affected. That is why when we bring our, our attention to our breath, we breathe mindfully, uh, we bring the spiritual dimension to our breath. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. Breathing in, I smile to my in-breath. Breathing out, I smile to my out-breath. It's like using the energy of mindfulness to identify our breath and to embrace it tenderly. Mindfulness is the capacity to know what is going on. And what is going on is you are breathing in, that you are breathing out. And while breathing in, breathing out mindfully, you generate a kind of energy called mindfulness of breathing. Mindfulness of breathing, that energy will identify your in-breath, your out-breath, and embrace your in-breath and out-breath. It's like a mother going home to her child and embrace her child tenderly into her arms. So mindfulness of breathing, there is mind and there is breath.
mindfulness breathing is to use your mind and to identify your in-breath, out-breath, and to embrace it tenderly. And you'll be surprised to see that after one or two minutes, the quality of your breathing will increase. Your breathing now, your in-breath now has become deeper. Uh, your out-breath become slower. And it is more peaceful, more harmonious now, after a few minutes of breathing. Because there is an intervention uh, of a kind of energy into your breath, and that energy is called mindfulness. Mindfulness of breathing is our, uh, our practice. We don't have to force our breath. If our, breath, our in-breath is short, let, up, let it be short. If it is not very peaceful, let it be like that. We don't try to intervene and to force it, to bend it, to, um, to work on it. We don't work on our breath. We just become aware of it. And after some time, the quality of our in-breath and our breath will change, will be improved naturally. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. Breathing in, I enjoy my in-breath. Breathing out, I enjoy my out-breath. Because breathing is enjoyable. Someone who is already dead, dead cannot breathe in and breathe out. We are not dead, we are alive. So we enjoy our breathing in and our breathing out. And if you enjoy like that, uh, the quality of your in-breath and out-breath will be increased very soon. Breathing in, I noticed that my in-breath has become deeper. Breathing out, I noticed that my out-breath has become slower. It means that you have brought the element of peace into your breath. And breathing now, in and out, whether you are in a sitting position, a standing position, a lying position, breathing becomes a pleasure. Because in breathing there is peace. And then uh, when you notice that your in-breath and out-breath has, uh, uh, has become more peaceful, uh, deeper, slower, and then you can offer that peace, that calm, that harmony to your body. And the exercise is like this, breathing in, I'm aware of my body. Using the energy of mindfulness in order to, to recognize your body. It's very important. Because in our daily life, we just neglect, um, ignore our body. Now we come home to our body and recognize it as existing and trying to make an acquaintance, we make an acquaintance with it, uh, to make friends with our own body. Breathing in, I am aware of my body. I'm breathing out, I smile to my body. Breathing in, I am aware of my body. Breathing out, I, I allow my body to release the tension in it. And that is the process. 
and these exercises are proposed by have been proposed by the Buddha himself. The first exercise, breathing in, I know this is my in breath. Breathing out, I know this is my out breath. The second exercise, breathing in, I follow my in breath all the way through. Breathing out, I follow my out breath all the way through. And if you follow your in breath and out breath all the way through, your mind is no longer thinking. Your mind has stopped all thinking. Stop thinking altogether. And your mind has a chance to rest. Because we, it, in our daily life we think too much. So this is a wonderful to stop the thinking and to allow our mind a chance to stop thinking. Because breathing in, I know this is my in-breath, is not a thought. This is, this is only an awareness that something is happening. And something is happening is you are breathing in. And that is not thinking. You don't have to make um, a cerebral effort at all. You just become aware that you are breathing in, you are breathing out. And that is something enjoyable too. That's not hard work. Identify the in breath as the in breath. To identify the out breath as out breath. Everyone can do, even a child. And if you want to be sure, you put on um, your, your right or left hand on your belly and you notice that when you breathe in, your stomach is rising. And when you breathe out, your stomach is falling. Rising. Especially in the lying position, you are aware of your in breath. You are completely aware of your in breath. You are aware of your in breath from the beginning to the end. You are aware of your out breath from the beginning to the end. And by breathing like that, you enjoy breathing and you stop your thinking. Stopping the thinking is a very important practice. You don't think anymore of the past, of the future, of your projects, of your suffering. You just enjoy breathing in and out. And this is possible in the lying position, in a sitting position, also in a walking position. And later on, after you have uh, being able to offer that peace, that uh, harmony into your body, helping your body to release the tension, and then 
you can identify your feeling and your emotions. Breathing in, I'm aware of that feeling in me, of the painful feeling in me. Breathing out, I smile to the painful feeling in me. So there is a painful feeling, but there is mindfulness that serves like a mother embracing the feeling tenderly. And mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. When you breathe mindfully, that is mindfulness of breathing. When you walk mindfully, mindfulness of walking. When you drink mindfully, mindfulness of drinking. When you are mindful of your feelings, that's mindfulness of your of feeling. And mindfulness can intervene in every uh, physical and mental uh, um, event in order to bring recognition and to uh, bring uh, uh, relief. And mindfulness can do more than that. And one final consideration while we have a few minutes left. What does one do when you seek to practice mindfulness meditation in the present moment and you're suffering? You have uh, high anxiety. You are depressed. You're angry. You're simply confused, irritated, frustrated, humiliated. The last thing you want to do is sit with this pain. And yet, that's exactly what we must do. And our refusal to do that, our desire instead to run away, because there are elements of fear in every emotion that hurts. So, of course, the tendency is to want to repress it or run away or feed it or drug it or just become distracted. The reason Buddhism is often thought of more as ancient psychotherapy than a religion is that it teaches us to sit with our pain, to watch it, and you will understand it. And as you understand it, it vaporizes, and you return to peace. Let's hear how Tai explains that. How do I stay in the present moment when it feels unbearable? That's a good question. Anyone who knows uh, the practice of mindfulness knows that uh, you have to go home to the present moment. So going back to the present moment here is no longer to to, to recognize uh, the elements of joy and happiness, but to have a chance to take care of the pain in ourselves and to transform it. So even if the moment, the present moment is unbearable, to go back to that moment is the only chance for us to do something in order to calm it down and to uh, transform it. Most of people don't do that because they are afraid that uh, when they come home to themselves, and touch the pain inside, they will be overwhelmed by the suffering. And that is why their practice is to run away. Uh, imagine something about the future to forget. Uh, go back to the past 
forget. But uh, the past and the future, they are like uh, images, not reality. Only uh, the present moment is uh, real. Even the moment is uh, not pleasant, but it is in that very moment that we can understand the suffering and that we can find a way in order to calm it down and to transform it. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for our tribute to the late Thich Nhat Hanh, who was cremated just four days ago, died ten days ago in Vietnam, the author of more than 100 books on mindfulness and spiritual development, more than five million copies sold, and I'm sure many millions more yet to be sold a most influential teacher and a great loss. Thanks for being with us today. I hope you'll make it a habit to join us every Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. We stream at the homepage, theagelesswisdom.com. You can find out more about me at michaelbenner.com. I want to thank my producer, Mark Brisky, and again, you, for joining us and telling your friends. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Los Angeles, this is Michael Benner on KPFK 89.1. <laughs>